in by Kulusevski. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Up the Spurs podcast. My name is Cooper, and I'm here with my good friend Ian. Ian, how you doing? Oh, I've had better days, Cooper. And you know, it's a, it's another day in the life of being Spursy. Yeah, you know, we got about seventy five minutes into that match, and I thought we're gonna have a positive pot for the first time in forever. <laughs> how wrong I was! It seemed to just all fall apart. Uh, and then, I mean, as it ended, I didn't even think we deserved to win. I mean, did you think different? No, no, we didn't deserve to win. And it, the, the worst part is it didn't even, it, it didn't register. Like it felt like a loss, but a loss I didn't care about. And it was just, yeah, yeah, here we go again. Yeah. That's, I, I, I completely agree. It just felt like, yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. Um, no, Spurs, uh, Spurs draw 1-1 with Everton. Well, let me let me rephrase that. 18th place Everton at the time. Who, Ian, how many goals have Everton scored this year? Oh, this year. Yep, this entire season. How many matches has Ooh. it been? Like 28? Yeah, something like that. I think they've played um, 29. 29. Okay, let's say 29. I'm going to say, oh, they haven't been good. I'll say... 35. That's your guess? Yeah. Oh my God. They've scored 12. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Wait, no, that's not right. They've scored 23. I don't know why I was hearing 12. I looked <laughs> I it up. I looked 12? it up. It's 23. Hey. Okay, still. Still, it's no, I, I don't know where the hell 12 came from. <laughs> oh my God. And all right, give me their three leading goal scorers. There you go. Have a try. Oh, good lord! I I have a feeling Ducore is one of them. Yes, he's third. That's insane. Um, is Wobi another? A Wobi only has he's, one this he's, year. He's third with two goals. Yep. Oh, um, uh, he does have sure. six assists. Wobi has six assists. Okay, okay. Surely it can't be Calvert Lewin. I don't think he's even played that much this season. Who's only that one? Damari Gray. Damari Gray is number one with four. Dwight McNeil with three. Dwight McNeil. All right. You know, after not scoring for Burnley and getting signed to Everton, I, I thought he was going to continue that trend. So that's uh, good for him. You know, remember when we had our earlier podcast when I said, uh, if Luis Enrique came in, I had a choice for left wing. And remember who I, I chose? Harvey Barnes. Yeah. Harvey Barnes scored his 10th goal in the Prem this year. Just want to say that's double Sonny's uh, output, but eh, we'll leave it as it is. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, we can come back to it. But uh, let's dive into the lineups. We had a returning Loris straight from injury, kind of displaced Forrester uh, with Romero, Dyer, Longley. And Poro, Skip, Hoiberg, and Perisic, Kulu, Kane, and Son really felt standard. Like, a, yeah, no change, 3-4-3, three, three, nothing doing except for that Lloris. Uh, would you have liked to have seen Forrester keep his spot? Or Honestly, yeah. I feel like I, 
I think Forrester deserved it. And obviously it's going to be easier to say right now. Zero <laughs> percent of the goal, let me say, is on the Reese oh, that yeah. we conceded. But no, I thought the way Forrester had been playing, he got called up to the England squad. Mm-hmm. He and especially Lloris coming back from injury after already being a bit dodgy in the, the last couple of games leading up to it. I thought Forcer should have kept that and, you know, given, given Lloris something to think about, but end of the day, I feel like that is a very tough decision for an interim manager to make. That's, that's a big statement to put your club captain on the bench when he's back from injury. That's a very good point. Yeah. I kind of get it. And to be honest, I, I felt bad for Forrester originally, but I don't really have any qualms against yeah. it. Uh, yeah, rest of the lineup, kind of blanket standard. First half was pretty dead. Don't really want to talk about it. Nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. It was it was Burnley ball with Deitch, where just kind of booting it out and <clears throat> Tottenham having most of the possession. The biggest flash points came in the second half with uh, a Decore red card. Uh, Decore kind of, he didn't punch Kane. He clawed him in like the face. Yeah. It's like you're trying to grab an apple off a tree and you grabbed a person's eye and nose. And Kane dropped immediately. And Twitter, Sky Sports commentators, Talk Sport is all saying Kane milked it. <laughs> uh, uh, this is, this is a, like, I, I, you can't milk that. He, he, it was, it was pretty rough. I think the, the, the biggest part of it was the build up to it because Kane yeah. definitely instigated it. There were some afters. Yeah. 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 He, he pulled some jerseys and did some pushing and did, did some, did some cheeky shit. But I mean, hey, that's, that's why he's one of the best. It's just tactical, infuriate exactly. the other opponent and get a claw to the eye and go down. And that's the thing. He got clawed in the face. Yeah, people are saying he milked it. I guarantee if he had stayed on his feet, it would have been a yellow. Or VAR, yeah. I, VAR would not have done a single thing about it. So I don't know. I used to love Ian Dark as a commentator. And he asked if Kane was out of the hospital yet on Twitter. And so I... Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I did, did not... I, I think I typed in Ian Dark allegations on my Google search just to see if there was anything <laughs> and there wasn't. Um, so I'm yet. still a little frustrated. Yeah, not yet. Might plant something in this house. No, I, I'm not flying to England. You didn't hear that. that no, you didn't hear that. Pod. We'll cut that. Pod. See. Uh, about five minutes later, Kane got a, uh, a penalty goal from a <laughs> Romero. I, my favorite thing was the commentator said, and Romero finds himself in the box. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. He's, he's just wandering at this point. He was our highest forward uh, defender for a press for a little bit. And just he just played wherever he wanted. It felt like he got raked down by Keane. So it was a pen in my book. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It was it was just a pen. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And I'm glad there wasn't really any controversy around it, uh, but Kane, man, buried that penalty. It was great to see. That's highlight of the day right there, a Mm. penalty. (laughs) But after that, this is where it gets a little cheesy, as I'd like to say. 
Kane scores the pen. We go up 1-0. I think that was like the 65th minute. In the last 20 minutes of the match, Spurs have been up a man now for 10 minutes. And we had 20% possession for the last 20 minutes of the match, which is just abysmal. It's abysmal, and it doesn't make sense. What also doesn't make sense is, well, I kind of get subbing off Longley just so you avoid the red, but Mm -hmm. the funniest thing in the world, it's so Tottenham, subbing off a guy on a yellow and bringing on someone to eventually get a red who you never thought would get a red in your entire life, but in Lucas. Sanchez came on. I knew it was going to be squeaky bomb time for the rest of the match. My favorite quote of the day, and I wrote it down, was the commentator when Sanchez came on said, he plays with too much confidence sometimes. I can't remember the last time I've seen Sanchez play with confidence. No, no, no. Every time he touches the ball, it's Bambi. Yeah, it is Bambi. It's Bambi on ice. Exactly. And I, I think he gave away his first pass. And it just was downhill from there. But I, I was sad to see Longley go off. I thought he could have managed with the yellow, but hey, that's hindsight. Uh, side note, there is rumors that we are looking to purchase Longley for $14 million. Would you Would you take him for $14 million? Hmm. It's a weird one because I just feel like we could better spend that money. But at the same time, like he's done all right. And and that's that's so Spursy to say, right? He's he's done all right. Let's get him. Yeah, you know that's that's not very ambitious, but it's a relatively low fee in the market. He does a job, and if we can shuffle out our other center backs, he's a good rotational player. Like he's capable of doing a job. But I I would I would if I was in charge, I would never think to actually buy him. That's fair, and I think he's also. Third highest paid player in the squad. Blue That's rat. stupid. I think it's on like 215,000. Would you buy him? No, I wouldn't. What do you how do you feel about this? I, I like Longley. I think he's done all right, but I can't believe I'm saying this. But if we're having a backup option, I'd rather keep like Davies. Yeah, Davies that's is gonna fair. have he's he's gonna have a testimonial, by the way, next year. He'll have he'll be eligible for a testimonial. This is I can't even remember the last time Spurs had oh yeah Spurs had a testimony because I think Danny Rose technically qualified for it Uh and he was off talking to Milan so we don't really know what happened there Harry Winks has already been talking about it (laughs) well Winks apparently Sampdoria want Winks I have seen that the washing machine could be on his way out well I I think they're 10 points from safety with like 10 matches to go. So I don't think they'll be able to afford, I think it's like 20 million. So no way. I digress. And last two flashpoints were a Lucas red card for a stamp on Michael Keane. Was it a red for you, Ian? Was it a red for you? God, it was so lazy and so just, uh, just it was so bad, man. Like, yeah. it obviously wasn't 
a mean foul. It wasn't a, a vicious, aggressive red card. It was just pure lazy, and it was brutal. And I watched the replay. Like, he got him so high, man. That was yeah. – I, I uh, thought when I saw his ankle like bend from yeah. the turf, I thought he broke it. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's a, no, no, it's no, no, a no, no, leg no. breaking tackle. And yeah. my favorite part, though, was the ref did send him off immediately. Like it was like, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 not even messing about. And I appreciated that because I think it's the right call. That being said, Michael Keane on one leg blasted in. Uh, what was that guy that played for West Ham? That Hitzelsperger. Hammer or something like that. Remember <laughs> Hitzelsperger? No, I don't oh remember. <laughs> gosh, we're gonna have to watch a YouTube video later. Compilations incoming. He smashes in like a forty yarder, and they call it the Hitzelsperger hammer. Hitzelsperger. It's John Arnarisa. It was Liverpool, like kind of like shades that. of it. Yeah. Uh, Michael Keane after the match said, "Yeah, I can hit him in training, and I saw the space, so I took it. He had five touches without being closed down by Kane, by Skip." I think Sanchez somehow found his way coming up. Hoiberg, it just, yeah, it, it was, was a, it was a beautiful goal. Like, it, there's no denying he hit that so he couldn't have hit it any better. It 49, was, 49 out of 50 times that's going in Rosette, but <laughs> like, yeah, it was the one time. And if that says anything, he, he basically just said, playing Spurs is like training. That's great. That's great. Do we fault him? I mean, fuck, we were up a man, up a goal, and we just at Goodison, which is already hard enough to play at, and we let them play. That's training. You know the last time we lost at Goodison, David Moyes was the manager of Everton? Yeah, I know. Kind of crazy. But, yeah, I just, going into the match, I won't lie. This is going to sound controversial because I know we needed a win. Going into the match, if you had told me, like, well, would you settle for a draw? Be like, yeah. Heck yeah. A, a John Dyche, like, I know, facing relegation away. Oh. And and Everton away, too. It's, it's like one of the hardest away grounds to play at. And like you said, it's Sean Dyche. Like, with the Everton squad he has now, it's, I'm I don't want to play them because you just know you know how they're going to play and you know it's going to be miserable. Oh, and you know they're going to just squeak by. Yeah, and the fact that there's three Burnley players in that squad: Markowski, <laughs> Michael Keane, and Dwight Mike McNeil. McNeil. You just know <laughs> it's built for that one-zero shit house. He's got Ducore, Onana, and Idrisiana Gay in the midfield. I know. I saw that oh, and I thought, wow, we're never breaking this down. <laughs> no, no, we've got Skip. <laughs> and uh, Hoiberg and Hoiberg doesn't even know how to pass. I so just... offensive. Yeah. yeah. No, it was. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I'm kind of there with you. Just like going into the game with all that in consideration, like we should be aiming for a lot higher, especially against an 18th place team. But I just expectations are so low at the moment. Would have done with the draw, and then as soon as we went up one nil. We just go through the cycle of Tottenham. Yeah. Which is just false hope over and over again. And it was false hope. We're up one nil. All right. We got this. We're going to hold on. We're up a man. They got a red card. All right. And there it is. We, yeah. We go level. Yeah. And I, I, it's just sad because it's inevitable. 
Yeah, we, we knew it was going to happen. Out Death of is in Tottenham bottom. Oh yeah, out of the thirteen players that played, yes, thirteen. When we had five subs available, we made two changes, and they were Lucas and Sanchez. Out of those, is there anyone that stood out for you that you thought oh, played pretty well? Positive. I thought Poro did all right. He like offensively, he got into some really good positions, and I I liked. It was it was weird, especially watching the first half, seeing how different the two teams played and how just weird of a matchup it felt. Like we yeah. were spread so unbelievably wide, and the one thing I liked about the first half was we were actually making the cross field ball happen. Mm-hmm. Like the passes were accurate and they were finding space and we were able to counter and do all these things. And it was cool to see. And on the other hand, Everton were so doing that packed in, doing that V that Dyche always talks about Uh and just, you know, being so compact. It was, it was a very weird first half, but no, I, I like Poro. Um, And that honestly, like it was just, again, Kane doing well, but, I, I don't know. I, I just, yeah. I just felt tuned out of the whole game, honestly. Like, yeah, it, that, it, it no, was, nothing, nothing stood out. That's a really good point. It was very passive. It just yeah. felt like the game just passed before our eyes, like player wise. And yeah, supporter. Did you see anybody? Am I not thinking? I thought something? Romero and Poro were good. Yeah. Other than that, Decky did all right, but not. Yeah. Like he, he's that he's capable of so much more. I thought Perisic was all right in the first half. Yeah. Other than that, nothing, no one really stands out to me. There was. So average. Yeah. It just felt really average. We, it felt like I was watching. It's a good example. Like an Everton versus like a Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it a just... Norwich, like an Everton versus Norwich. Yeah, like that's honestly, it's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's what it felt like. But I I don't know. Uh, a 1-1 one, one draw coming out of Goodison. Uh, did you hear the the Everton fans staged a protest before the match? Oh, they did? I did not hear this. <laughs> so I was reading more about the Everton owners, and they sound awful. Oh, they yeah, Mashiri's. Oh, yeah. A nightmare. I think what I read was they've sunk about... 250 million 300 million into their stadium that they're building yeah the new one they're building they haven't even like started it yet really like maybe oh, they've like no. got the groundwork going or something yeah yeah, yeah. there's like nothing <laughs> god and they're okay correct me if i'm wrong are they completely relocating to a different i think of the city yeah they're on the water that's what i seen from the yeah bottom. Honestly, I'd be so upset if I was an Everton fan too, because part of like part of Everton's identity is being a mile from Liverpool and being able to see Anfield. Yeah, which is I won't if lie, they, when I when I toured Anfield, it was cool to look out the like yeah, I'm sure it is. And, and if, if they're moving further away, which again, I, I don't really know. I should probably look into it a bit more, yeah. but if they're moving further away, that's gotta be so disheartening for Everton fans because on top of that spending half a billion pounds into their squad and being worse than when they started it's yeah that's a that's a you know 
that Levy and Co. have been awful, but it could be Mashiri bad. Yeah, it could. It could always be worse. I think that's that's a really good way to put it. But we will get to Levy in a bit. Yeah. Yes. Uh, last thing on the Everton match, Stellini made some comments after the the game, and I don't really want to dive into them, partially because I just don't even want to bring it up. But I want to ask about Stellini taking the helm for the last nine games. Realistically, what what's the best outcome? Is it is it realistically is it sixth? Seventh? Yeah, I mean it, I think sixth. Uh, I just I look at all of the teams that are fighting right now for third and fourth, which are four teams fighting for third and fourth. And uh, the the games that we have left to play are very difficult games, especially the state that we're in. Mm-hmm. They're they're not just gimme games. And you look at Newcastle picking form back up. United has dropped off, which has been amazing. But you know they, I think they're in a bit of a better state than we are. Mm-hmm. And we look at Brighton, who are flying and have games in hand. Yeah. And no, nah, I I look at us right now, and I just see six written all over it. I. I have so many frustrations with Stellini being the one that's that's leading us to the end of the season too. Yeah, it just feels it feels like we're just watching Conte without the angry press conferences at the end. It feels like nothing's really changing. I I think sixth is accurate, but let me think. So probably Newcastle third, Man U or Brighton fourth. And then, no, I'm thinking probably seventh. Liverpool, Who's, I think Liverpool is going to pass us. I, I don't know. I man. know they, they look awful. Lost they still, to City, drew to Chelsea today. We still have to go to Anfield. Like, I yeah, think it's, it's second true. to last match day or something. But we still have to do that. And I don't, and they, they drew Chelsea today, but they didn't have Van Dyke, who was sick. They didn't start Alexander Arnold, Robertson, Salah didn't start. It's a very wow. weak squad. Yeah. Like Firmino was running the Yeah. Line. It was a nil nil draw, too. I didn't watch the game, but it doesn't sound like I want to. Uh, the only moment you care about is Havertz broke through, <laughs> tried to chip Allison. Allison punched it back at him, hit off his elbow, and went in the net. And there was a oh. VAR review that <laughs> took it off. It was pretty funny. That's incredible. But um, yeah, ooh, I, I I did think about um another highlight from the game. We we missed Ryan Mason. Yeah, screaming dive into that. Screaming at the players, screaming at Stellini. He seems to be the only one at the club that actually cares about how we finish. I don't know if you also saw Larice's post-match interview. Um he came out and said, essentially, like, we we weren't good enough. And it it's it sounds a bit weird coming from Larice because he's the captain and he's also a keeper. So he he doesn't play the role in this. And he almost blamed the rest of the squad, saying, like, we can't shut off like we did. We didn't yeah. play the last 20 minutes. And he just was flat out saying, like, yeah, we can't do that. We 
we deserve to lose. But doesn't that remind you a lot of, was it Kane under Mourinho when they asked, I think they asked Kane in an interview after a match, does the gaffer tell you to drop back after scoring? And he's like, no, that's on us. Yeah. And so that just kind of leads into this whole, the, this whole squad is just, I, I don't want to be dramatic, but like rotten to the core. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just really nervous. Bad. It's nervous. Like the, you know, we thought bringing in Romero would bring something that the rest of the squad didn't have. Hell, even having Larissa in the net, just that winner mentality, mm-hmm. just being confident that when you're up, you keep going for the jugular. You don't drop back and you don't just hold on to the win. You try and smash everything in front of you. Yeah. But that's one player and we need that through the rest of the squad, but we just, we aren't capable of it. Yeah. And I think the problem is, is, I mean, you could find so many gaps in the squad from a, from a performance aspect and quality uh, view, but I don't want to dive too deep into it, but like Kane, yeah, he's a leader, but he's a leader by example and action. Yeah. Larice is quiet as hell. It couldn't be a more quiet captain. Dyer is scared shitless the entire time. I and Romero's too much of a hothead to be a leader. Like there's yeah. no and I'm guessing the only this is gonna be a terrible take. The only leader we really have in our squad is Hoiberg. Yep, 100 percent And he is awful. <laughs> <laughs> and he seems like he blames so many people like that's i just see him waving his arms yeah and yelling most of the time i just i the squad is depressing huh yeah it really is and we we talked about we'll do a squad review in the summer but we talked about it last summer and we said wow we need this this and this we haven't gotten any of it it just well to be fair during the summer we thought we were on a good track we made seven signings. Some of them were very exciting. Some of them haven't sniffed the grass since being here. And then the winter, especially looking at Dan Juma, scores on his debut, hasn't seen the grass since. And we look at the squad selection. We look at the subs that are being made. Why? It's, it's, just, a, it's just a squad full of whys. Yeah. Like, why, why do we keep putting Lucas in when we know he's gone at the end of the season and we have Dan Juma who has so much potential and has proven he's capable of doing so much and he's just not getting picked? Give Lucas the last game of the season. Give, yeah. him, give him the game against Bournemouth. That's fine. The rest of it, give to Dan Juma. I thought about that and I don't want to be too conspiracy theory and tinfoil hatted about it. But when it comes to Dan Juma not playing, my thought is he knows he's not being purchased by Spurs. Spurs know they're not going to, because I think it's like we have an option maybe of like 30, 35 million. We're not going to waste that. And Dan Juma knows he's not going to come to Spurs because who's going to display? It's that Kane argument. Who's going to display Sun? Mm -hmm. Really no one. I mean, did you see Sun's heat map? From the match, by the way, no, I didn't. I saw, I saw his average position. Yeah, like, that, that, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like at half, Skip was ahead half. of him. 
Skip was ahead of him. Perisic was ahead of him. Atrocious. Yeah. Hoiberg was even with him. Just really sad. And a lot of people are saying, well, how how can you expect Sun to, like, play well when he's doing this? Listen, I know you're supposed to, like, come short sometimes, but vary it up, man. Running behind. Kane will find you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It worked for so many. Honestly, it's just, God. I hate saying this because I know how great he is. But Conte was such the wrong move because of the way he plays. Mm-hmm. I feel like when we brought him in, and, and hell, maybe even when we first brought him in for the last half of last season, it was exciting. It was fire. It was wanting a lot. And it got to this point this season where every player is just so afraid of doing the wrong thing. Yeah. But they're not playing. And the formation, the way it's set up, I hate this formation so much. It causes us to play so bad. And I'm it's, so excited to see a different formation come in. What's the problem with it for you? There's, we have... Well, no like if you had to choose attack, one yeah. problem, that what's the one problem with it? The, the biggest problem is the gaps. Like, I, I know that that's kind of a... a cheating answer no no, 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 that's fine yeah the the gaps because we have five players five defenders behind the ball almost at every instance we have our wing backs who are told to push forward but if they push forward too much then they're getting screamed at so they have to focus more on defending than attacking and then when we look forward we have two without benson kerr we have two very defensive central mids yeah. we can't make anything happen and then we look forward and we have center defensive mids to striker and nothing in between so there's such a huge gap in the mid and then we look at our wingers it's just there's so much space on the pitch and they're staying so wide there's no chance to actually play we yeah. can't connect passes it's just hey, let's hope Sun can get in behind, but he's not making those runs now. Let's hope Kane can do something magic, but nobody else is doing anything, so it's difficult. It's just so frustrating because the whole focus of the squad is defensive and we're not attacking. And when we do, it's either on the counter trying to make something happen when three players are attacking forward against seven defenders and we lose the ball, or we have to pause take a step back and still only attack with less players than they have so it's it's just frustrating to see time and time again like it it's so defensive and we have gaps all over the pitch we just need somebody we need it we need a formation and a manager who wants to play on the front foot and can play as a squad rather than a team of individuals yeah i i watched brighton play today against Mm -hmm. bournemouth and I know the, roam, the roaming rectangle of doom. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you so much. But it was fun to watch Brighton in particular because of just kind of what you mentioned right there, where it's the attack is three people, but with Brighton, it felt like it was like seven because yeah. like the wingers, yeah, that's fine to stay wide. But with Spurs, there's that massive gap between the striker like the winger but with brighton you had McAllister, like yeah filling that gap and 
Estupinian running like through and Matoma like coming under as like a center mid almost. It was super, super interesting. A lot of fun to watch. I watched Brighton play, I think it was a sequence of like nine one-touch passes. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And they they lost it at the end. Yeah. But I thought, when is the last time that I really saw that? And I think it was maybe last season. But, oh my God. Maybe maybe against Norwich when we thrashed them in the final game of the season. Beautiful. But, yeah. It just, I don't know. Uh, sorry, let's get back on track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about, oh, last thing. And then I promise we'll get back on track. My problem, very similar with the gaps. <laughs> I, whatever it is, I, it, the new manager could come from the conference league. If he plays three in the middle, I'll be happy. That's all I yeah. care about. Yeah, 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 yeah. A hundred percent. I don't care. And I don't care if it's a holding mid and two eights. I don't care if it's two defensive mids and a 10 like we just need three in the mid that's just what's working you look at every team that's successful in the world right now it's three mids yeah no that's a very good point it's a really really good point uh the question around like why did we keep selenium we kind of touched on it but i saw a really good tweet that i wanted to bring out and it was from bcoys 22 uh and it said tonight just proves that levy got rid of conte because his ego was bruised Conte spoke facts and got the chop. It wasn't down to football selection or tactics because it's the exact same against Stellini. I think that's a really good point because everything is so similar. Nothing's really changed, but it feels as if Conte left because Levy wanted to make a point. He wanted to prove a point saying like, you can't say this about the club. That's fine. I I don't think a manager should absolutely shit on a club that being said it went through one ear and out the other for levy and there's nothing that's really gonna come about change wise from it and that's what's really really disappointing to see because i don't know if we're ever really going to have this um renaissance at spurs And it sounds really depressing, but I thought about this today. The last trophy that Spurs won was the League Cup in 08 or 09. I can't remember. I think it was 08. I think it was 08, yeah. That's the only one we've seen in our lifetime. Yeah. FA Cup 91? Before that. Something Something like that, yeah. That's it. Point blank question, Ian. Do you think you're going to see Spurs win a trophy in your lifetime? God. You got to I, yes. I hate. Yeah, I know. I, I want to say yes <laughs> because I'm such an optimist. And it we can sit here and we do sit here and we seem to have all the solutions. And it seems so simple. Bring in a manager who can play front foot football, mm-hmm. is attacking, is high pressing. Let's rebuild the squad i get that's a bigger ask but we have we went from having the youngest squad in the prem and one of the youngest squads in europe to now i would are i don't know but i would say probably one of the older squads in the league and uh, yeah i think it's up there 
I think we're like 27 is our average age. Yeah. Like I, we need a different squad. Yeah. And we, we, yeah. Again, I, I want to be able to sit here and say, yes, we will win a trophy. And yes, it should be that easy. And, you know, maybe we look at an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup to start. Or, yeah, yeah I guess those two really. Just just start with, this season was so perfect. I, I keep, sorry, I keep bouncing around with my own you're thoughts fine, here. But fine, this season was so perfect because we look at the run we had with the Cup. Hell, even the Champions League, like not even having the toughest draw that could have happened. And we just bottled it. Yeah. So hard and so spursy. I'm just, I want to say we can win a trophy, but I feel like I've learned too much from these last couple of years. Yeah. I, I really don't know when that's actually going to happen, which is really, really, really depressing. Maybe when we're, so we're, we're in our mid to late twenties now, maybe when we're in our forties and Levy finally leaves, maybe we see something. And we can tell our kids that they don't, they don't know how lucky they are. Sure. Back in my day. <laughs> Back in my day, there were no, there were no conglomerates buying clubs. No. <laughs> we weren't owned by Amazon. Back we were owned by Elon Musk. Yeah. The Twitter arena, Dogecoin arena. <laughs> uh, speaking of front foot football, a report came out from Fabrizio Romano saying that there's a five-man shortlist for Spurs. Company is definitely on the list from what mm. it's rumored. Enrique might be on it. Mm. Who do you think the other three are? I, I've got a bet, and that would be Arne Slot from Feyenoord. Okay. Deserby. Yep. And Nogglesman. Yeah. Those, those are the other three that I think. Is there anyone that I'm missing? I mean, I just, the Poch. Is he off the table now? I my problem right now with Spurs Twitter specifically is that there's so many fake rumors going around and fake sources being thrown out and so much shit. Like literally one day you'll see Potch rejected Tottenham yesterday, and then Spurs are talking to Potch today. And then I even saw one that was like, oh, Spurs are talking with Potch's agent, and I think. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was Alistair Gold or somebody, or Paulo Key was like, Poch doesn't have an agent. Yeah, he does it himself. He does everything it's by himself. Just, I just, I don't believe. Honestly, every rumor I see, I go, ah, it's not true. I'm just yeah. defaulted to not to not being true. And even with Fabrizio Romano, I'm saying like, I, I just feel like there's so much misinformation being spread, even from the club. Like I could see this being a Levy tactical move even of just spreading a bunch of fake rumors and diverting the attention away from what they're actually doing behind the scenes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I do have a question for you. Yes. And Pochettino being a free man currently, mm-hmm. it seems as if Spurs are going to go these nine matches with Stellini. Like that seems to be the plan. Yeah. You wouldn't have put Stellini in place if you were going to make a change immediately, I feel like. Does that rule out Pochettino for next season? 
I feel like Poch specifically. Okay, first, I think it is so poor from our owners that we haven't jumped on a manager search. Look at Chelsea and how they're already moving. I, I mean, know. they're they're probably going to get an Augustman in a couple days. They've already been in contact and all that stuff, and we're just twiddling our thumbs. But no, I I think Poch is going to wait until the summer to see if the Real Madrid job becomes available. I know it's kind of like a thing going on right now that Ancelotti's on his way out and it could become available. And Poch is one of the few managers that are kind of on the shortlist for it. I, I know some Real Madrid fans who don't want that to happen. So yeah. it, it could just be one of those things that he wants to wait until the summer to see if he even has a chance at it. Yeah. And and then if not, he'll come back to Tottenham. But I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know anything anymore. Well, I know there was the whole rumor about Nagelsmann not wanting to go to like a really high profile club. Mm-hmm. So that kind of ruled out Real Madrid for me, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Chelsea's still like a big-ish club. I honestly, no, honestly, I think if we looked at Chelsea two years ago, like that squad and that group of players, yes, 100%. I look at Chelsea now, and I, I just see Leipzig written all over them. I don't know why, but I get that kind of vibe that it's just like, a bunch of young players who have all this potential that have been signed together. And that's exactly who Nagelsmann had to work with. And that's what he's done. And he had success in it. And I just see like, and and just, I mean, the way that the club is run, Rebel Leipzig literally run by Red Bull, a corporation. And we, and Chelsea have an American billionaire who wants to run it like a corporation. It's just like, I, I see those as equivalents. And I, I, as soon as Potter got sacked and there was even the slightest hint of Nagelsmann going there, I went, ah, that, that makes more sense than him coming to Tottenham, actually. Yeah, I, I did see this great tweet from Eurotracker, uh, or Euro Expert, sorry. And it was really interesting on the whole uh, Chelsea point. It said, uh, Nagelsmann's excellent and Chelsea... Could potentially be fantastic with him. But here's the list of forwards that are on his books for next season. You ready for this? Nkunku, rumored. But Raheem Sterling, Mudrik, Madueke, Callum Hudson-Nadoi, Ziyech, Lukaku, Havertz, Roya, Pulisic, Fofana and Aubameyang. That's twelve forwards. Oh fuck! I forgot for three, about too. For three positions, and the best part is, that's it. They haven't even signed Felix, and so yeah, if you add Felix into that mix, it's just going to be crazy. Like that's 13, 12, 13 players, all in those forward positions. I, okay, I have a question for you here, off the back of you saying that, because. We know Chelsea have always had a very large squad with a lot of players constantly out on loan. And, you know, some of them come through, some of them just get sold. It's kind of this weird thing. Do you think Todd Bowley made these signings 
as just like one last pump into the squad to make it as crazy big as possible so that this coming summer they can sell and liquidate as much of it as they can. Maybe. I don't know. But I'll, I'll, the caveat to that is if I'm a buying club in the summer and let's say I want, I don't know, I'm looking at those players, uh, Pulisic. Sure. They might put the price on Pulisic at like 40 million, 50 million. Yeah. I'm not going to purchase him for that. I'm going to say, well, you have so much crap to get off your books. Here's 20 million. I, yeah. I almost think that would be the idea. I will say, though, you look at center midfielders. They have like, I don't know why this is a Chelsea podcast now, but like Gallagher, Conte, Enzo Fernandez, Kovacic. That's it. Loftus Cheek. Yeah. Like they're going to need, they're going to need to bring in probably two more central midfielders, which is crazy to think about. What's even (laughs) crazier to think about too, unless the right manager is able to figure it out somehow, they're going to need a striker. Yeah. You're naming those 12, 13 players. Like Aubameyang's got to go. He's not going to happen. Lukaku's obviously going to go. That's he, he's never going to come back. Fafana's still very, very young. And other than that, I don't know what other out-and-out nines they have out of that list you just said, but I think I think that might be it. Fofana, Datro Fofana, yeah. Yeah. Like, they, so they've got to sign a striker, and they need yep. center mids. Which is crazy. They have 12 to 13 players on their books, and they need a striker. And they need center Havertz back. is technically being played as oh, a striker. Oh, yeah, Havertz is there, too. I don't think he's a striker, but... No, he's definitely... Well, they don't need center backs. They've... They've Are got sure? Batty Shile, Fofana, Kukurea. Oh, okay, I do forget. <laughs> Listen, it was a center back. It's just hilarious. But he's, no, he's playing left sided center back. No, I know, I know. Playing. And he's he's been awful and he's not he's a left sided center back, but he's playing there. No, Tiago Silva's still there. Yeah. I know. I keep forgetting <laughs> about Fofana just because of how long his injury was. But now, because I just look at like Tiago Silva, obviously, is going to be there and he's still capable he's still one of the best center backs in the league but he's going to be what 38 next year and then i look at uh koulibaly he's been oh yeah you know i i'm happy for them to keep it i just i if i'm like if i were in charge of chelsea i'd be like maybe we need to they they just have they just need (laughs) i don't think they need a bigger rebuild than us but they need to sell a lot more than we do it's a lot of work. And that's that's actually a really good segue of if you're Nogglesman, like Spurs are a mess. Like there's going to yeah. be – that's why I almost think company's a great choice. Just like yeah. let them come in. Like, rip into them. Yeah, and then if, if people are down to clown, they can stay. If they're not, they're gone. And yep. I don't think that's going to happen. Like I would rather get rid of like dire – Sanchez, Davies, I know there's like always the three mentioned, and play academy players back there. Like I'd rather yeah. do that. I know it would probably ruin their careers because it would shatter their confidence. <laughs> but if you're not going to bring in any more center backs, I just – they don't provide anything. They don't provide anything for the homegrown quota. Like I was comparing yeah. Dyer with McGuire today and i thought how the hell is mcguire still at manu 
It's a fair yeah. comparison. He's still captain of Manu, technically, but Maguire is homegrown. He adds yeah. that. Dyer doesn't even add that for us. And he doesn't count as homegrown? No, because he grew up in sporting. Portugal. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. Man. Which is terrible. Like it just yeah. makes sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's get away from the Chelsea pod. Uh, I did see a big tweet from, I think it was like the Spurs web today. And I retweeted it and up the Spurs Twitter account also retweeted it uh, saying enough is enough. Called to the fans. Tottenham Hotspur are an absolute crisis. No manager, no sporting director or all-time leading goal scorers. Future at the club is in serious doubt. On top of all this, Tottenham are looking to increase their season ticket prices despite already having the most expensive season ticket in England. In four years, Tottenham have gone from a Champions League final to a club without direction, spirit, or hope. I'm calling on the bigger voices in the Tottenham online community to help spread the word and call out this ownership for what it really is. Tags a few big accounts, including Spurs Express, Spurs Web, Hotspur-related, last run on Spurs, and Tottenham Tears. I've attached a petition below. Yes, I know petitions may not make the most changes, we hope, but more signatures will bring more eyeballs to the situation at Tottenham Hotspur. If we don't call for real change, leadership and direction now, then when we all said Conte was Levy's last chance, show it. And then they attached the petition. I think the petition's on like at least 5,000 signatures. I mean, what, initially, like cold, what's, what's your thought about that? A petition and kind of this call? Yeah, no, I think it's, God, it's one of those tough ones because I, I saw that. I saw when you retweeted that. And honestly, like even me wanting so much change at the club, I looked at that and I went, you know what Levy and Enoch are going to do when they see that? Oh, no. Anyways, <laughs> they, they're not going to care. Like, I, I will still support it. I signed it. I want, I want to be a part of this, too, and I want it to work. But I just – I don't know what to do at this point because – a Twitter petition and getting a bunch of retweets on something isn't real action or change. And I know there've been the quote protests that have gone on at Enfield and at all the the different places that they've gone on at, but Mm -hmm. it just feels like there needs to be something even bigger. So no, that, that makes complete sense. And I think, this is, this is kind of actually a really good way to round out the episode. When it comes to the ownership, obviously a lot of, I don't want to say majority because I don't want to speak for every Spurs fan. And I know like we're a really small podcast, like let's be blatant. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. really have that big of a following. Um, hopefully one day, but we still want to try to provide a opinion on the whole matter without speaking for everyone. And I do think that we can all agree and Zach's not with us tonight, but he would agree that something needs to change, whether that's something permanent from the ownership or just a change in mentality. I'm happy for them to stay on. If a big change occurs in some way, I I did see a great idea saying like, I, I won't lie. I'll give Enoch their props because they are one of the best 
business oriented boards yeah. around. Like you like Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, yeah, it sucks that it's a little soulless right now, but mm-hmm. it is the best revenue stream in all of like the EPL right now, I think. And that's fantastic. But we someone suggested we almost need a split board. One board for business yeah. stuff, one board for footballing. I think that's a great idea. But when it comes to what's going to make this board change, I think that's the trouble that I get into because us being American, we really don't have any effect on that. I don't spend money on this club, like some season ticket holders. And I think asking people to not buy season tickets next year to hit them where it hurts in the pocket is kind of unfair because these tickets might be passed down from generation to generation, for instance. Yeah. But is, do you think there's a realistic change that might occur if Tottenham finish outside of let's say eighth, eighth position? God. Yeah. If we, if we're, I would even put it if we're back into the Europa Conference League or whatever it's called now. Um, if we're back in there, like I, there needs to be massive change if that happens. And but do you think there actually will be? <sighs> Genuinely, the only way I see there being real big change is if they bring back Poch. And I'm not just saying that to to keep hammering home i want potch back but because that's a statement in itself of the ownership group raising their hand saying we got it wrong the first time it's a good point to bring him back because they can bring in any other manager and they can run him ragged like they have with all of our managers since potch and even with potch and they can keep going through this cycle and they can continue to maybe grind out fourth place and oh we got revenue from the f1 track and all of these things happening and then keep can keep kind of doing this weird non-football football managerial style um so i do i think there will be real change if we finish seventh eighth i feel like i've been a part of this club too long to say yes so i don't think there would be i like your point about saying not buying season tickets isn't the way to do it. You're saying it'll hurt, like hit them in their pockets. That's to be honest, it's not going to make a dent. That's not going to make a dent. And how business savvy they are, they will find ways to fill those seats. So, you know, whoever in London not buying a season ticket isn't going to have any actual change. And so it's, it comes down to what can be done. Honestly, the one thing that came to mind was, just absolutely bombarding their communications department and bombarding every input that they get of customer feedback. So any, like, and it's harsh on the people that work there, but like any way to get even close to getting in touch with that ownership group every day, every person just constantly sending the same message and then a message that's not Oh, you guys suck. You need to leave. Whatever. It can't be stupid. It has to be well thought out, have reasons. It has to be a concise statement. That's just, listen, we, we, the fans are not happy with how things are going right now. 
This stems back from what happened with Poch and you guys failing to invest. And then we tried overstepping where we were at. And now look at the mess that we're in. We need some real change. We need a manager who aligns with this club's vision, not with trying to buy our way into mm-hmm. the top four. We can't get a Jose. We can't get a Conte, a Nuno, when they don't play the brand of football that we grew up on Tottenham. Like the whole reason I started supporting Tottenham in the first place was because they were exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they weren't the best squad, but they were fun to watch. They yeah. were attacking. They were exciting. They had these fun players. And we need to instill that back into the team. So we need a manager who can do that. And we need to look at the squad that we have and ask ourselves if they're the ones that can do it. And just sending a message that gets all that across every day of the summer from a thousand different people to three different sources that they get their feedback from. Maybe the message starts to get across. The worst thing that can be done is just fans constantly whining about what, what, what one thing is wrong, what one thing we can do to change because it's not one thing. And I know most fans don't say that, but just like we can't start battling against ourselves saying, oh, well, it's Conte. Oh, well, no, it's Levy and Enoch. And oh, it's the players. Like, no, it's the, it's the culture of Tottenham at the moment. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I think you're spot on. And I struggle with the fact that, I mean, the only main news source that I feel like we really have related to Tottenham is Twitter. And I don't know if you've jumped in any spaces and listened to some of the fans or seen some of the massive threads, but if there ever is an Enoch out thread or something, there are people making fun of it being like, Oh wow. You had 25 people at the last protest. And yeah. it's like, I don't, you're sacrificing like this is, this can be a really not applicable scale, but you're sacrificing the fragility of the club for a few likes on Twitter. Yeah. When yeah, 25 people like at a protest, that sucks. But it's it might be five more than what they had the last time. And and you know, it's 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 gotta grow somehow. And a lot of people are trying to step on the plant before it's allowed to grow. And so I I don't think this is gonna sound terrible. I don't think we've hit our breaking point yet. Because the breaking point as a club will be when those fans stop doing that and they turn on the club. And so I I think, you know, not to get too religious, because I'm not super religious. I think Kane will have to be the quote unquote Jesus Christ of the club Mm -hmm. by leaving. I think that's the only way that it's going to get through the fans and through to the board that we messed up. And I think Kane not signing a contract and only having almost 12 months left on his current one right now, I think that's getting people scared. But I don't know about you. In the back of my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, eh, he'll sign. You know, he's going to sign. Where's he going to go? He's going to sign. And I don't know. Maybe we need that moment of, oh, shit, he's gone. 
Yeah, especially if he goes somewhere and wins something. He's go. I guarantee. Which he, which he would if he if he left Tottenham, most likely to United. You know they're, they're, they would win something. You know, right now the odds betters have Kane's next club being Wrexham as twenty eight to one. <laughs> like that's dude. fucking incredible. And all the comments, like it's related to that culture of well, we yeah. still win something at Wrexham. It's like. I know it's like Jesus. four or five league difference, but still it's, there's this, we have been the whipping pole for so long and Levy and the board do not care because all they care about is the money. And that's all well and good, but I, they're so business savvy and they're so good with money from like a generating standpoint I just don't understand how they don't connect that having a good football club leads to more money. That just baffles me. It's crazy. Honestly, okay. I will I will I close up my my last thing on this because I feel like this is so applicable and it's stuff that I've been going through in my professional life for the last two two-ish years. And it's this is, you know, I probably shouldn't be saying all this, but um, company that I work for, an athletic apparel brand, there have been some trying times recently where there have also been these wide disconnects that, you know, there are different targets for different teams that are involved and they don't align altogether or, well, I guess I should say, and, you can only be as good as your product is. You could have the best in the class commercial leaders and financial operators and marketing team and brand team and all of these things. You can have the best at it, but at the end of the day, if your product isn't living up to what it should be, you can only do so much. And that's what's happening at Tottenham. The product, the, the squad, the football we play, the everything about who we are as a football club because at the end of the day this isn't a business this isn't a corporation it's not just a money pumping scheme this is a football club that needs to be run differently and we're not getting that vision we're getting leaders who look at the profit they look at the balance sheet they look at the income statement and they see success they see the green they see the positives they see oh raw we did great look at our pnl they're not looking at what's happening on the pitch they're just saying nah we got beyonce we got the f1 track and oh look we sold the player for this much and we only spent this much and hey we almost made it their their main objectives aren't to create a winning team in tottenham their main objectives are to expand this brand beyond belief in as many ways as possible rather than focusing on what they're doing well and the brand that i work for that's something we've shifted in the last year is that we went whoa 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 whoa. we tried to do way too much way too quickly and we spread ourselves too thin and look what happened now we're getting back to what we do we're getting back to what we're good at and that's what tottenham needs to do just get back to what we're good at. Play exciting football. Create a squad of players 
that we want to watch and that are capable of doing something magic. We saw it in 07, 08. We're, we almost, I would say we saw it with Poch before the downfall when we made it to the Champions League final. We almost won the league. We were right there on the cusp and we were looking so good doing it. I mean, hell, we got Deli Alley playing as one of the best players in the world and look at where he's been at the last couple of years. We did so many great things that we are not doing today anymore and our identity is being lost. That's what needs to happen. And like you're saying, if we could have Levy and Enoch manage the brand outside of football, create a separate split ownership group somehow where they can manage the business commercially and the rest of the ownership group can manage the squad that would be fucking incredible and we would be the biggest club in europe i guarantee it if we could have all of these things happening while simultaneously pulling together an incredible exciting squad the ceiling is so high and so it's just it's it's how do we get that to happen and that is the hardest question in the world to answer. Couldn't agree more.